I grant that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show and I must confess to you there were many there I knew. Hello. At the devil's ball. Welcome to Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. With me this week are my co-hosts, Victoria. Hello. And Jamin. Hello. And I am Jacob. And this hello. is... Hello. Hello. This is, hello. Anyone else? And this, is epi- <laughs> and this is episode 65 of the Dispatchist, Disremembering Michelle. Who? Uh, yeah, I've forgotten already. <laughs> I wish I could forget. <laughs> I think uh, this is Friday. We usually don't record on Fridays, and so we're all a little punchy. It's true. Punchy, and I'm actually kind of gently nodding off because I've been remembering Michelle for like three days now. <laughs> Wait, let me get a psychiatrist to gently lay next to you. And I'm coming up. I'm coming up out of it. <laughs> okay, let's get serious. Did it work? Should we start with should we <laughs> no. start with twirling or pointing? Oh my god. Oh my god. I actually have a line for uh getting serious. Oh. Um okay. I don't know if you remember this line. It's one of my favorite lines. Her eyes were right there, he thought, and her manner was serious. <laughs> yeah. My eyes are right here. <laughs> my yeah. eyes are up here, please. <laughs> So to contextualize this and, you know, what we're drinking about today, we've spent the last few weeks pondering over Michelle Remembers, a, the 1980 book that really sparked the idea of repressed memory that fed the most maniacal parts of the satanic panic through the 80s and 90s and up to 2006, I believe. Up I think to 2047. Fair. Quite possibly, but I know mm, that yeah. I know that this was still in the news as late as like 2006. There were still people in prison over this nonsense. I I didn't realize this was the book that sparked it. Like, it, you know, we all knew. I mean, we've talked about the Satanic Panic in the 80s and the 90s, yeah, the 2040s. But this this isn't the beginning of the Satanic Panic. It is the beginning of repressed memories of Satanic abuse as like the main frenzy element of the Satanic Panic. Yeah, it's like, like it was. It's become systemic. Yes, <laughs> this book uh-huh. systemic was, panic. <laughs> <laughs> this book was used as a training aid in helping communities understand the satanic panics that was happening in their midst. Yes, because it was a fiction, and there wasn't any real book about it. Because it doesn't exist. <laughs> Do we want to like before we dive into the deep, deep depths of this nonsensical piece of? literature uh-huh. do we want to maybe talk some lighter cheerful stuff sure where do you want to start uh we could start with hell news okay so i'm gonna just defeat what i just said in march of this <laughs> year there was a movie released called satan wants you it premiered at south by southwest and its creators sean horler and steve adams are from victoria canada and uh, this is a documentary about Michelle Remembers and the fallout with lots of interviews with families and friends and survivors and media and television and radio appearances from Michelle and Dr. Penzer, her therapist slash adulterous husband. <laughs> is it pastor? 
Pazder? Yeah. Pazder. I'd, like I'd like to prepare everyone that Jacob cannot pronounce the word Pazder. He never has. And during the entire duration of this podcast, he never will. Thank you. I will get it wrong every time. That's it's fine. Pa- it's Pazder. Right. That's Panzer. <laughs> Pazder. Don't start me. Uh... I was doing pretty well. He's coming up. He's coming up. <laughs> I'm going to scream for 20 minutes now. <laughs> He's coming. That's yeah, like for t- 25 minutes. I mean, that's the typical podcasting <laughs> mo- methodology. Of- I usually cut that part, though. <laughs> I think that's for our Patreons. <laughs> 25 minutes of screaming. <laughs> My niece could do that. He can scream for 25 minutes. <laughs> this recorder. No. So why was this documentary debuted at South by like I like South by it's a great film festival a lot of things debut there but surely there's a film festival in Victoria BC where I don't know um maybe because well, this one has it's prestigious it is oh. I mean they had the opera they they it sounds like they uh went up against 50 other movies and they were chosen and that was really exciting because South by hey it's awesome Hmm. And it may be that Austin is just the place that's most likely to like bring a beer and pretzel to this one. <laughs> Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We may be the perfect town for this because Victoria may be a little bit upset about it. But by the way, when I say Victoria, I'm referring to Victoria, Canada. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I'm fine with it. Oh, Victoria, okay. BC. Right. Awesome. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I've enjoyed some of the Victoria references in here. Well, so. the trailer's up on YouTube. I recommend it as a shorter piece than uh, the actual book i'm excited oh. and i'm sad i didn't get to see it during south by so uh sean horler one of the creators his aunt trained under uh penzac pasner <laughs> penzoil <laughs> trained for what specifically psychiatry Drilling and pointing Psy- psychiatry <laughs> i have a bit of a slightly related Hell news. Is it not really hell news? I, I in going and reading articles about Michelle Remembers, I went down a rabbit hole about other conspiracy theories yes. that are uh, related to QAnon. Yes. The uh, most interesting, well, several interesting, but the one that I, I found the most hilarious is that there has been, this is from 2020. I don't know if this is still a thing, but of course, on Reddit, and in other conspiracy theory uh, portals, there are people who believe that Wayfair is is using high, like very expensive cabinetry to traffic children. And yes, my neighbor <laughs> believes this. <laughs> and so these overpriced cabinets and whatnot that have names of you know, like people's names, they've decided that those are the names of the children and the dimensions of the cabinets actually are the dimensions of the child (laughs) who are all cubes or rectangular prisms (laughs) so there's a good uh quote here if i could find it um yeah there's specific people uh who have that who have names that align with different pieces of furniture that just by happenstance, happened to be reported as missing, but several of them have had to come on, you know, social media and say, like, uh, I'm here. I yeah, actually, not actually missing. <laughs> yeah, that happened to my cousin end table. <laughs> <laughs> but it made me really wonder about Ikea. Like, 
what are they trafficking? Mjorst. With, <laughs> with a scoreboard. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the Blinda, the yes. lamp, the Blinda lamp. That's just Belinda. I oh mean, my it's obvious. God. Wow. She's not that bright. You know, and what are what's actually in those meatballs? Uh, uh, Sawdust. Yeah. So particle board. So Wayfair, and there have been people who have actually, there's a, a, some TikTok famous people who have actually bought a $17,000 desk. Believing hoping, that, hoping to find a small child so they can record it on TikTok. They were hoping that they would get some communication verifying that there was a child that would be accompanying this desk in See, some I'd, fashion. I'd be impressed with that, except the Wayfair has a really great refund policy. <laughs> don't like your child send it back <laughs> isn't that just like regular children <laughs> but uh but yeah so um wayfair um you want a kid so. by the <laughs> by the industrial cabinetry overpriced industrial cabinetry well did anybody bring anything to the party i did you did yes i brought a classic I brought a mind eraser cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And so according to cocktail.com, it's a fun drink that hails from the decade of so many other fun drinks. None of which we can remember. The 1980s. So is it fruity? Is it fruity? Or... It is not fruity. It's vodka, coffee liqueur, and sparkling water. It's oh, essentially okay. a black, ru- like a bubbly black Russian. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a very simple drink. Two ounces coffee liqueur, two ounces vodka, club soda. Um, you just put the coffee liqueur in an ice-filled rocks glass, put the vodka on top of the coffee liqueur and top of the club soda and serve with a straw. So it's <laughs> as you're screaming for 25 minutes, you can occasionally like to stop and take a sip, especially if you have like a bendy straw so you don't have to get up. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. So enjoy your mind erasers. I have some light entertainment. Hmm. Pointing. <laughs> <laughs> the torments of the damned. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't get the joke, it's because we read this book and I strongly encourage you to not read the book. Legit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I didn't bring anything because Jacob didn't make it. I sent him a recipe earlier mm-hmm. for a thick sliced cabbage steak, roast mm-hmm. cabbage steak. Mm-hmm. I, which is, I opined that there's no such thing as a cabbage steak. It's look at it. It's a thick, juicy slab of cabbage roasted with olive oil and salt and pepper. Only the second half of that sentence makes any sense to me. <laughs> right. It's it's a vegan alternative to oh, New York. It strip. is. It is. Yeah, sure. OK, I will totally buy that. Oh, and the world is heart. filled with disappointed vegans. <laughs> what if what if they just don't know any better? What if they were born vegan? And never had a New York strip. And they're like, mmm, cabbage steak. It does look tasty. It um, looks really good. But greasy cabbage is like wonderful. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. I think you object to the name. I like, yes. I like cabbage. I like uh uh if they're done well, cauliflower steaks. <laughs> 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 I 
Why are you laughing at that? Well, like it's like saying a wedge salad is a steak salad. Right. I mean, all steak. of these things. It's like, yeah, a steak. Like you can just call it like grilled slab. Yeah. Yeah. Grilled slab. Mm-hmm. A wedge grilled salad. Slab. It's, a, it's a beef wedge salad. We take a half <laughs> rack of ribs. Yeah. We cut Start. it in half. Let's let's reduce you at absurding these things. I'm going to slice a narrow band of olive and call it an olive steak. <laughs> can I get my olive steak medium well? Yes, yes, you can. Medium green. Mm, okay. Enough of this nonsense. Yeah. How do we start? Oh, let's. <laughs> okay. So uh, I'd like to. Let's just take a moment to step back and talk about last Monday night, which was a really nice yes. little event. One of our first. It was our first. Yes. Oh, no, not our. Yeah, I guess it was our first event event. Yeah, I think it was our first event event event. Mm-hmm. The next one will be an event 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 event. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we went down to the uh, the Velvet Casket, which is next to the Glass Coffin, Austin's local vampire establishment and speakeasy wine bar and held uh, a chthonic salon. I'd like to thank Liz Andre because you kind of inspired this for us with the um the death cafe she's been hosting or working with so the idea is just kind of a um a brief topic and then conversation about kind of left-hand path myth mythology uh underworld mythology that sort of thing with a small group and a lot of tea and i think the first one went really well i think it did Mm -hmm. and um yeah, people were really engaged. Uh, people were really open with each other yeah. and talking about some hard stuff. And your little mini lecture went well. I yeah. thought like it, it was unusually really well. incoherent for me. <laughs> I think it went well, okay. and I'm excited about I'm excited about other ones. And they may uh, we're talking with Joey, who owns the Glass Coffin and the Velvet Casket, about live streaming. Yeah, some of these because there are people who are not in town who are interested. So it's exciting, and yeah, yeah. there may be some more exciting things that come up regarding that. So the next one, Gay is, Demons, uh, yay, Gay Demons <laughs> for Pride Month. So that is that's cool, and we're going to have uh, some other exciting topics coming up, such as psychopomps and. You're doing, uh, what is the other topic you're doing, Jacob? Uh, Astroth for the 4th of July, which is something that makes sense only to me and um, Johannes Weyer. Okay, right on, right on. Possibly Kerberos, Goddess, Doggo, and Fop. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we are working on getting some uh, other speakers to join us. Yeah. So in their areas of expertise. So, yay. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a good evening. Mm-hmm. It was really, it was this, a good evening. The velvet casket is so visually dark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, like drinks all the light and there is none left to read your notes with. Good. Yeah. So we need to think about some headlamps maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. the bookworm from Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Oh, bookworm has a little. Yeah. Reading lamp around her, mm-hmm. his, his uh, headband thing. This tiny little uh, head. It's one of the more obscure villains from a cast of very obscure villains. Mm-hmm. I have like a tiny little, um, tiny little bookworm with a little light on his head somewhere. Aww. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess there's no avoiding Michelle at this point. <laughs> no, we try. We we drank the mind racers. 
And Ugh. yet, here we are. So, you guys probably know I struggled with this book. It was dark. It was dark. It was terrible. It was written in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, we should hold that against it. And, I mean, kind of like The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Like, anytime they broke into song, I just skipped that page. <laughs> but right. you missed you missed all of Satan's <laughs> awesome poetry. Right, right, right. He's the worst rapper ever. <laughs> I Very. just, I was just like, well, I'm done. Next chapter. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm totally, I, I tried to go back. And by which I mean, I didn't go back to find the macrame reference. So I, no macrame. I have two things to say about that. First of all, my PDF had missing pages. I just don't understand this. That was the songs. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, they were, they were all at the beginning. I, don't think that interrupted anything. <laughs> I don't think that there's knowledge there that I needed. What I really think, though, is that at some point, the knowledge from those pages is going to come out. When I, when I finally have the ears, when, when I will have, be able to... When you have the ears to hear? When mm. I have the ears, they may look like rap, they may look like bunny ears, but when I have the ears, those things will come out. So this is not sponsored content, although if it wants to be, I'm fine with that. Um, I bought a Remarkable 2 tablet, not specifically to read this book with it, but that was a major incentive to buying it now, which meant that I had a PDF editor in my hands. And so I was able to color cover this out of print book with the most hateful annotations. (laughs) You're dumb. Yes. So Sometimes I just scribbled over entire pages. <laughs> so this brings up an important question. What phrase did you use the most in your annotation of this book? Uh, totes. <laughs> <laughs> totes, and sh- totes and sure. What, Jamin, what about you? Uh, not safe for public consumption. <laughs> like there was, it, it was blue. It was blue. <laughs> Why am I reading this utter? A lot of WTFs. Yeah, a lot of WTFs. I had a lot of WTFs, but also I several, many, many times wrote, I'm beginning to doubt this doctor's professionalism. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I have to say, and spoiler for (laughs) people who haven't read the book, I went into this totally cold I had no idea that they actually got married yeah, I didn't afterwards. Know that. So okay, all yeah. of this stuff, like I was like, oh, suddenly they're hinting at, you know, marital trouble, but they don't continue with that. And it's like, oh, crap. Yeah, I get like, duh. Con- so. Context. I set up a little timeline to help me map this out. Um, with the help of Wiccan Constable Kerkulain, uh, linked to his Witch Fox article on this delightful book, uh, I was able to kind of get the timeline to this. So the authors of this book are Michelle Smith. And Lawrence Pazder, uh, MD. Uh, and, what is, is her real name? Proby. Michelle yes. Proby. I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, didn't realize that it, that it had changed because of that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, protect the innocent. Um, so Michelle uh, was born in 1954. And no, 19. Um, Michelle was born in like 1949, I think. Uh, yeah. And around age 30, around the end of the 70s, she, with the help of her longtime therapist, Pastor, uh, started unpacking a lot of repressed memories of satanic ritual abuse. 
uh, which she experienced allegedly as a child, age five to six-ish or so, um, 18 months of trauma and such. Um, so timeline, uh, she was born in 49. The rituals was from like 1954 to 1955. Uh, 1966, the Church of Satan was founded, just as a reference point. Uh, 1973, pastor starts treating young Proby. Uh, she would have been... 29? I think he said 54, 64, 74. Yeah, like 23. So at least she's legal at that point. Um, spoilers. Um, by March 1977, March 1976, the emergence of five-year-old Michelle and these repressed memories of satanic abuse occur, brought out through hypnosis. We can kind of guess from the tone of the text. By 1977, Pazder is disappearing with Michelle fairly regularly. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, filing for divorce at the same time. Both of them, both Michelle and Pastor, are filing for divorce at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, Do you think... Coincidence? She was telling her husband, <laughs> by the way, I'm reliving my satanic nightmares, or do you think they just kept that between them? Oh, that I, was in one of the pages I had that she was, in fact, telling him. Yeah. And it was disturbing him. Right. Oh, right, so I didn't right. read that part. Good job, Jamin. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> um... In 1980, uh, Jack Proby, her father, Michelle's father, was interviewed, says all the claims are false, uh, notes that the book did not mention her two older sisters, even when she's discussing how <laughs> utterly alone she was, <laughs> or that before the book was even published in 1980, both of them had divorced and remarried. The book glosses over a lot of things like that. And I think this kind of, for me, this opened up a lot of weird rhetorical levels to this book, like different layers to perceive the text at and different blinders it wears. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I also did not know what the various covers looked like. And the first edition has has Michelle kind of like the the, the picture that uh, what? Me, there's that different covers. There are. And it's her standing there. And then pastors, uh, I, I'm assuming it's pastors standing in front of her. Uh, you just see the back of his head, but he's blocking her at least halfway, which makes a whole lot of sense later on when he begins to speak for her right. because she allegedly does not remember all this. Because once she yeah. told us, like she, she, what is it? She's done with Satan now. <laughs> yeah, she's done. She's she's done with Satan. She's free from Satan. That's I it. am the yeah. keeper of her memories. Yes, exactly. Oh, my God. Uh -huh. like, and somehow, I was like, yeah, unclean. And then. It we're was, just it was, <laughs> what was it? it was the interview where we're like the guy had been investigating and he's talking to them oh and, kenneth lanning yeah kenneth lanning and so mm -hmm. he's like and he every time he asks the question michelle looks blank and looks to her husband who answers the question and he's like oh yeah yeah she's done with it she has no more memories i'm the keeper of the memories and kenneth lanning says i put my pen down i didn't take any more notes he was done he was done mm-hmm mm -hmm. So, so telling. Yeah. It's so do you think? Okay. So here, he, my original question, which we talked about this was, was this her plea for help, which sucked him in? Was it their mutual trying to sell a best-selling book and get a million dollars or 120,000 in 1980? But I mean, yeah, it's still a $100,000 advance or something like that. It's not. Yeah. Like, 1980s. Mm -hmm. that, that I mean, she was supporting. They were supporting each other with their macrame sales before then. <laughs> so, okay, uh, put a pin in so, that. I want to go back to macrame. 
So yeah, was he? <laughs> but then, like with this, <laughs> that's what you're hanging from. He was. <laughs> if he like was entirely his fabrication, and he'd be like, "Okay, Michelle, go to sleep." And then be like, wake up. Oh, you were screaming for 25 minutes. She's like, I don't remember. And he's like, you're free of it now. I have cured your memory. Your sentence are clear. Yeah. <laughs> did she actually have anything to do with this? Or did he just make the whole thing up and say, oh, you were asleep and it was very sad. And you talked about your childhood. Well, there are recordings and you can see them in the documentary. Satan mm -hmm. wants you. I'm hoping there's a recording of the screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Opening credits. <laughs> so I think, I mean, this is in the same article we all read, but, uh, and again, this may have been on a missing page and I have not yet had the ears to, to listen to me remember these things, but did, did it ever come up that he actually hypnotized her because he talks about like, she could just do this amazing thing where, where she throws herself into the and comes back out of it. Because hypnosis, I mean, there's, you know, lots of later, there were studies pointing out that a lot of these uh, false memories were instigated through uh, uh, hypnotherapy because like Freud even chronicled this. Yeah. Um, and I'm, Freud was like, this is amazing. These these poor women have been abused and they've dealt with Satan. And then eventually it's like, for even Freud was like, they're making it up. Mm -hmm. so there's a, not to, not to this, our podcast, which is, I think, you know, one of the foundational podcasts of the 21st century. But uh, Sarah, Sarah Marshall, who does the You're Wrong About podcast, yep. a five-parter mm -hmm. on this on this book. Uh, she's on read Michelle. Michelle yeah. She said, I've read Michelle Remembers 13 times. God, Ooh, why? good number. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, 13. Um, uh -huh. And is one of the resources that the documentary uses. And she says that they don't actually reference hypnosis directly, but you can kind of see in the language, um, if you're familiar with it, of like her going under and coming back up and how easily she does that. And kind of the tones of the interviews and things like that, that it's that he's bringing these things out of her probably through hypnosis and, and suggestion as well. He says that they... He says that the Satan uh, pastor says that the Satanists are going to hypnotize Michelle, but does not mention that he does it. Mm. Um, all of the references mm. are that the Satanists are going to be hypnotizing Michelle if she goes under while she's talking with them, which again layers. The the meta plot of this book is that over the course of therapy, Mich five year old Michelle has a series of incidences where incidences where her her mother brings her into some weird satanic rituals and. They get gradually deeper and deeper in um, terms of like the levels of torment and things that she faces until it culminates with a 81 day ritual um, where Satan himself appears and so on and so forth. But uh, through the uh, intervention of a couple of angels and a uh, French speaking spirit, uh, something like La Mer. Um, oh, it's it's Mary, Jesus and St. Michael. Okay. Okay. Jesus appears uh -huh. too. That's good. He He's needs the a, sun. Uh huh. He needs a good dance number. Um, they're able to <laughs> kind of ambiguously escape the situation. It kind of ends abruptly. But since Michelle is lying on a couch, we're going to assume that she wasn't sacrificed. Fair? Yeah. I'll go with that. What if the couch was the sacrificial table? What if the See? couch was Jesus? <gasps> <laughs> the, <laughs> the macrame is mother mary <laughs> um 
<laughs> one of the things that I found hilarious about that whole thing, I know I'm jumping ahead, but is that they like all come to her and they're like, you know, remain strong. You can do it. Wait for the ears, blah, blah, blah. I gotta go. <laughs> you know, it's like, what the hell? Like you're putting this five-year-old girl, you're making her fight Satan. And you're just like, oh, you know, look at the time. I've got a pizza in the oven. You're you you're know? buying you're buying into the layers, Victoria. <laughs> She's already fought Satan. Oh, speaking it, of putting yeah. another pizza in the oven, mm-hmm. psychologists today, or wait, psychiatrists today—they're the same thing, right? Nope. <laughs> Every listener just cringed. Medications. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what was and exercise? Was he a he was a psychiatrist? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And 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 a uh uh abu- a um no uh con the concentration camp abuse Holocaust survivor? No, never mind, I'll no. skip that line. Okay. Okay. Therapy in modern day, like it's twenty nineteen, right? Therapy isn't cheap. Yeah, concentration camp victims. He was a specialist in concentration camp victims. Why why do they have that horrible sentence where Michelle says, you know, I'd rather be in a concentration camp for 14 years. Because he feeds her words. Remember, this is like this is like three or four years of therapy being compressed into a 350 page book. It's a large book, but it really plays havoc with your sense of time because they had time to spoon feed each other. I feel like there's and other things <laughs> just spooning, you know, the spooning <laughs> on the yeah, couch. I feel like there's more therapeutic than spooning. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I want to roll back a little bit before I totally lose track of what John was saying. Um, yes. Okay. So how, was she paying for this? Did she have insurance? Was oh. he billing other clients? At the beginning? Yeah. Not towards the end. I, there's a whole passage about Canadian insurance. Oh, right. Yeah. Point. Canada does have really good insurance. Maybe they change their policies uh, after this nonsense. So he was billing the state and profiting off of his book. Yeah. And you're forgetting the sexual exchange, too. Oh, yeah. right. I mean, and the macrame. And the... <laughs> Erotic macrame. Oh, I my picked God. the wrong degree. Oh, my God. <laughs> the 70s were wild. Um, I, I, I want to kind of ask or go back to what you were kind of hinting at. It was just like, is this real? Um, did they take it seriously or is this a lie for money? And I think it may be both. I really do believe having read this and having like listened to them that they believed they were doing a good thing. And that to some degree, this is a sincere product that is intending to address something. I don't think they're really outright lying, but there are lies like Lots. the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I am alone forever with nobody to understand me when her father and his father's second wife and her two sisters are alive and just not mentioned at all. Like mm-hmm. there's there's some blatant omissions, things they didn't say, like when they go to the Vatican, they're going as Mr. And Mrs. Padster. <gasps> oh yeah but that that's a really left complex out. lie there that's not in the book but it is in kulane's notes wow i need to read that um also article. there's the whole thing about you know they allegedly tried to you know like doctor's notes all this stuff but it's still like really vague there's they have this epilogue full of official documents that are supposed to prove something but there's no like she's in the yearbook 
of her school. There's no record of her having been gone yeah. Yeah. for that yeah. amount of time. There's like a picture of her at age. She actually explains that in one of the interviews. Mary appeared in Hilder Scars. Oh. And, well, that was uh, polite. It was and nice. Nobody went to the police about the sexual abuse. That's Again, a big one. Or the I question missing, this yeah. man's professionalism. Yeah. You know, the, just the, 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 all these missing children and lump. <laughs> There's no record of anybody looking for for lump, lump in the kids. We've got to come back you know? to lump. I'm making a list of things <laughs> we're going to have to come back to. Can we take this book off the list? <laughs> we will we'll probably be joking about it for like three or four years. Oh, fair. Mm-hmm. There's so many others that we could read, Jamin, because uh, was... she was on Oprah with another woman who ha- had another sort of hot uh, book about her experiences uh, being abused by a satanic cult. And Oprah treated it as if it was completely legit. She does sometimes does that. Like I, I Oprah, does. Oprah is uh, she's going to be our guiding light for today. But uh, mm-hmm. I think she's a little <laughs> bit credulous. Would you say at times? Well, here's hmm. the thing: like you get into this trap, and this happened, and this was also described in one of the articles about how if you like all the social workers and um, yeah. <clears throat> psychiatrists kind of got it in this trap where if you doubt somebody, then you're doubting an an abuse victim, and right. nobody and- wanted to do. You're questioning a child's reported. Right. Yeah. This book leads with Believe the Children and it closes with Believe the Children. And that is, I think, one of the really good hearted but utterly poisonous ideas that made the satanic panic really catch on fire is Mm -hmm. the idea that children only speak innocence. Right. Which, um, no. Have you met a children? I know. I was a big liar when I was a three. (laughs) That's right. But but you're not believed when you come out against the clergy. Right. Oh, you pointed a fun article that says that this is... um, the entire idea of this is a cover-up of a, an, a, a sexual abuse ring and um, the real satanic, the real abuse ring was the Catholic Church at the time. And given mm-hmm. that so many of these characters are Catholic, that's it's kind of a dark statement there. It really, really is. Like, look over there. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, uh, yeah. Totes. Shall we let Oprah? <laughs> shall we let Oprah be our guide, though, and try and have some sort of reins on this strange conversation? <laughs> yes, let us let us go go that. So, okay, tell us what we got. We have we thought like we we struggled with how to approach this in the most uh, sensitive and and uh, <laughs> sensible way, and so we turned Lol. to Oprah's book club. Yeah, uh, we're going to use Oprah's book club questions to help frame our discussion and come to some clarity on the importance of this book. So one of the first questions that drew our magpie attention was, uh, what did you Google while reading this book? <laughs> and I, I think we're probably going to have some of the same ones. I um, highly unlikely. I Googled lump. Yes. Pointy thing. Yes. <laughs> mommy. Yes. Human clocks. Wait, you Googled mommy? I'm not saying this is bad. Like I encourage, <laughs> like I don't. I I apologize for my tone of voice. Please, Victoria, tell me what results you found when you Googled "mommy." Let's see. Let me let me give you a quote, and you you tell me if this was from Wikipedia or from the book itself. Okay. <clears throat> it's stupid. It's like a snake. She's not a mommy. The mommies. The mommies were so strange. Um, the mommies. Wikipedia. Yeah, there and, was a 
so I, okay, I'm going to have to take a long aside here and like talk about rhetorical levels on this book. Can I it, mention one more thing that I, the thing that I should have Googled but didn't? Yeah, yeah sure. Ekpe Society. Ekpe. That was the that was a footnote about one of the West African societies that oh, right. our, our fine doctor studied, and that was with the leopard children. Yeah, and cannibalism. Yeah. So, so in, spell in, that. E K P E. E K. Mm-hmm. So pa- Pastor, among other things, likes to bring in his vast knowledge and experience of concentration camp abuse survivors and African tribes that didn't actually do that ritual, um, rituals and things like that to feed her while she's sleeping. I, I shouldn't like cast aspersions on his methods, but um, he's very keen on saying that's just like the rituals of this African tribe. Um, which he doesn't, I'm not saying make up, but he does kind of free associate tribes in the book several times, according to uh, Kulain again. Mm-hmm. But cannibals uh, aren't necessarily bad, only when they kill people to eat them. Yeah, he, like he, he makes scavengers. That, he, he's not a racist because he said that. <laughs> oh, right. No, that's that's fair. Um, <clears throat> why did I say that, though? Oh, because you were talking about mommies. Yeah. Now I'm lost. I've lost myself. We were talking about ec- the West Ekpe African society. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So one of the great rituals that the Ekpe society apparently does is they count count colored sticks for divination purposes. Theoretically, if he's telling the truth or not fibbing to himself, the Ekpe people like throw colored sticks for divination purposes. In this story, they shove them into Michelle's butt mm-hmm. and mouth, and yeah, in both both ends. Yes. So mm-hmm. I don't think that. I don't know about any of a divination system involves putting sticks in someone's butt and mouth and and then what? I'm not sure how you determine, you know, whether you're going to fall in love from that. But who knows? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't quite figure because it seemed that they were just as puzzled by what they were doing as she was. Yeah, step, like, step three profit. What? Why are we doing this? I guess. Oh, maybe put, put that in her ear. Let's try that. You know? <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, I think I Googled elephant sacrifice and remarkable to user manual. <laughs> <laughs> he, that's kind of like and, I was. And Michelle remembers PDF. <laughs> <laughs> I actually spent a lot of time looking at like Google Maps, Victoria, British Columbia, like where the mausoleum was, where the house was, like what the the landscape was, what the cemetery looked like, what the courthouse looked like, right? Like trying to see what the world was that this was written in. Because, I mean, everyone knows how to sacrifice an elephant. You just, you butter the bread and then. Yeah, elephant sacrifice. That was also one of the ones that I did look up during the reading this, but it was for another, another idea. And like, like the most idea, <laughs> no, the California preschool trials. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like that mausoleum, you know, <clears throat> how many people fit inside this tiny ass mausoleum? Right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And people would have seen them because yeah, there's like, it's, it's a residential right. neighborhood. Yeah. All these yeah, people right. spooking out of mausoleum, missing their middle fingers because they were cut off by Satan. Yeah. Right. Yep, 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 yep. Um, mm-hmm. In black mm-hmm. robes with dead kittens. So many kittens. I have this, to say, oh, go ahead. No, th- this is like one of the reasons I really don't believe this book is because of the huge numbers of sacrificed kittens um, that take place. I've never met a Satanist who is a dog person. 
Nope. They're they all just cat do people. not go hand in hand. <laughs> like, right. You love so your cat. They'd cats. be sacrificing puppies. Yeah, that makes more sense to me. I, I mean, and it so. goes back to the whole Egyptian thing with the, you know, the votives that are mummified dogs and cats, I suppose. Right. Well, Pastor hadn't studied that. No, no, certainly not. But uh, <laughs> this, this is what a terrible person I am. I mean, you guys already knew that. But I like, okay, I'm reading about this girl who's being abused by uh, adults who sh- should be protecting her. I had to skip all the cat stuff because I just can't bear it. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm glad you, no, <clears throat> I have to phrase this properly. I'm glad <laughs> you were that uncomfortable mm-hmm. because I feel like it lets you understand how incredibly uncomfortable I was as well, right? Like, mm-hmm. it was terrible. I didn't like it. I cried very, for 25 minutes. It's just, <laughs> it's so over the top, like at a certain point, and we, we could come back to this because it made, there may be a question there about this, but yeah, yeah it was kind of just way, way darker than I expected. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. for 80. Now, yeah. I, I do want to talk about rhetorical levels now. Okay. okay. Because I think okay. it plays in this conversation. All right. So the book... um asks you to read on the surface with this little girl as you experience her uh, struggles in real life with her. Like that is the lens you're supposed to be reading it with and the lens that the several times the text, like the people are co-suffering with her and you're supposed to co-suffer with her. But I want to look at the levels of this book. Start out with the story, the face value of the story, which is there's a 28-year-old reliving her five-year-old memories. So right away, you have the construct of a five-year-old created by a 28-year-old. And <laughs> things like kittens and sticks up the bum, these very childlike things are not necessarily the mem- memories of a child. They're a 28-year-old person remembering things in a caricature of a child's uh, style. Mm-hmm. So like that's level one, two, and three. Level four is that this is all being told primarily through a therapist who has his own mental lenses because he's a a Catholic and is kind of processing through those. And at the same time, Michelle is relaying this to a therapist to to please the therapist, which is a common problem with hypnosis, as I understand things, is that you try Mm -hmm. and frame what you want the therapist to hear. Suggestion works like that. And then at the same time, these two characters are in the middle of a romantic relationship, which is not stated in the text. and were lensed through two people that are emotionally attracted to each other. And the book was compiled after they were married. So there's a, another level there. Oh, what? They're telling the stories. Yes, they were getting divorced and married in like in the 70s. The book was published in the 80s. So uh, there's another layer that they know how their story has ended. And uh... I feel like if you've fallen for your therapist, you must know on some level that you've really distorted things. Um Okay. And then there's another Go ahead. there's another editorial level on top of that. Uh, because this book was edited by other people, um, and the story was cleaned up to uh, you know, accent certain rhetorical points to uh frame the visit to the priest on chapter one while it's still kind of thrilling and replay it out there. Um the it was created into a book, and that is its own rhetorical level as well. Mm, there's mm-hmm. so many different layers they have to kind of pull away from. And it is really hazardous to look at this book as the story of an innocent being tortured because that innocent is a highly fictionalized character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Anyway, that's yeah. all. It's, it's just, so okay. interesting. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Jamin. So I my my kind of perspective on this was you have a innocent, well, you have a naive young lady who goes to the therapist. You stick any two people in a room together for weeks on time, and of course they're going to mesh, right? But were they romantically attracted before this all started? Or do you think it was the being stuck in a room together for hours on end that did it? He's really people-pleasing. I think that he needed that in his life somehow. There was a an argument that I saw that she is the one who sort of instigated the return to therapy because she wanted to spend more time with him. Yeah, I, I and, can believe that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's like in like the first pages, it's like she's a, an attractive young lady with perky hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of I I, I kind of and, noted and, every oh, time it? somebody <laughs> talked about her attractiveness. Yeah, and like Pastor was a. a a good-looking gentleman with outstanding this is, fashion. This is one of my my highlight quotes, so I'm going to go mm-hmm. there, actually. Like, page one. A founding member of this group, the passive voice. There's, like, some serious stunt-level usage of the passive voice. Of this oh, my voice. God. The voice. The voice. It just drove me batty. How It, it was just, like, breakneck. Yeah, and whose voice is it? Pazder's or Michelle's? It could be both of them. Mm-hmm. A founding member of this group was Lawrence Pazder, who studied psychiatry at McGill University, was a fellow of the Royal College of Physicians. A handsome man in his early 40s, Pazder was warm, manly, soft-spoken, what people who live elsewhere consider the typical Westerner. He was lithe and athletic, a tennis player and skier, and under a brown belt in judo. His hair was brown, beginning to turn silver. Only a brown belt? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Um, dang. Dang. And, uh, the, uh, but he was lithe. Yeah, it was, he was very he, lithe. He was lithe. The, uh, the uh, You're Wrong About podcast goes off so many times on lithe. And uh, in what context you would describe someone as being lithe in that is, you know, not sexual. Yes. <clears throat> oh, I yeah. was just going to ask if I was lithe, but if we're going to, if we're going to have connotations, I better not. I think you're stringy. I think you're scrappy. Oh yeah. You're scrappy. Aww. I mean that in a good way. I'll, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> um, Google one of my, judo classes in Austin. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite lines, other lines like right after this from chapter one, describing Michelle, but Michelle was not ready. Not quite yet. She looked straight up at the ceiling and after a few minutes began to fidget the way a child might. Then her eyes grew very wide, just staring. And in her eyes, Dr. Pazder saw a look that he could only describe as frozen terror, as though she just had seen 50 people murdered. Hot. (laughs) She said nothing for 20 and then for 20 minutes she lay there screaming. Is there a difference, do you think? Is there a difference in someone's eyes? having seen 40 people murdered and 60 people murdered. Like, how do you think he knew that number? Well, he already <laughs> had 18 months and was, you know, adding this in after the fact. Like, I'm sorry oh, to disillusion you. Remember that look at the very beginning? I now understand the look you gave me. She's got the look, the look of terror. I also enjoyed how uh, the description of the rash was... Uh, it was like they they expressed how um, sensual, intense, how sexual and intense God. this was because of her her usually unblemished face. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. good but for yeah, her. Sexy, she used a product. A, I have a whole list of uh, sexy times uh, quotes. <laughs> Before we go to that, can I ask you a question? 
Why, yes, please ask us a question. Has this book affected the way you go about your life? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, How it so? Has. <laughs> if so, okay. in what way? Um. So, okay, two things. Well, actually, two parts of one thing. If I were to go back in time, I would not, and, and, and I needed health care. I would not go to Canada in the 1950s, <laughs> nor would I go to Canada in the 1970s. <laughs> that um, seems harsh. I feel like there were a lot of good doctors in Canada. We just didn't who, get the right one. Who weren't writing books. But what about the what about the hospital where the nurse was able to just like do all kinds of weird shit to Michelle? Nobody seemed to care because that she's a nurse. She must know what she's doing. And then take her out of the freaking hospital. Like, was, okay. what, okay, is, what it's is time? Do for they your, understand the word hospital? It's time for your sticks of the butt treatment. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. To counter your Canadian healthcare argument, mm-hmm. Wolverine came from a Canadian healthcare center, Weapon okay. X. Mm-hmm. He was very, I mean, right? yeah, he was very look, scrappy after that. Yeah, like <laughs> enviable. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want that? See, and I, you know, this is this is again, this is completely a work of fiction. But I also, given the no, truth Wolverine about, is true. Uh, oh no, I, I totally, totally, that's a given. But. uh you know, given the um, context of the book, I I remit, I stand by my claims that I doubt the professionalism of Doctor Pastor. Yeah, 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 yeah. They did, yeah, yeah. They did yeah. go from like it was like it was kind of falling into the gravity well of spooning on the couch, basically for the first quarter of the book. It's like gradually more and more justifying, like being physically very close to the screamy patient mm-hmm. who's calling him while he's on vacation. She needs and a hug. Like, and yeah. decorating his office. So can we talk about macrame then? Yes, that... please. Talk okay. talk to me about macrame. Uh, let me, let Who me... here took macrame classes as a child? <laughs> if if the, the listener can see, Jamin and I have raised our hands. <laughs> when Dr. Pastor and his wife returned from Mexico, they found themselves a guest of honor at a surprise party. Uh, da, 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 da. He promised, but he... Okay, so they're gone on vacation. Okay, so Dr. Pastor and his wife have gone on vacation. He promises Michelle he'll return on January 26th because she's calling him during their vacation. This is probably around the time when they started planning their divorce, honestly. Mm-hmm. Wait, um, so he was in Mexico. With his wife, yeah. And, and she uh, was calling long distance from Canada yeah. in the 80s. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that's expensive. That's mm-hmm. expensive. Okay. Kids these days don't know what long distance calling is. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a good line I didn't notice before. Michelle was in the waiting room of his office when he arrived, talking with Dr. Arnott. Boy, are we ever glad to see you, Dr. Arnott exclaimed. <laughs> in his office was another surprise. The touches of beauty Michelle had added. The plants, the unique tea cozy, and also a macrame wall hanging she'd made. Um, so yeah, she's just gone in and knitted up the place. <laughs> Made up the place. And several times, and the book calls out this tea cozy that she wove um, from tones of white and gray and brown and coarse hand-spun wool. She wove wove this tea cozy. She was pleased with it, if she did say so herself. Some of her fiber sculptures had sold for more than $1,000, and this little tea cozy was as good as any of them. So Fiber sculptures? I googled Mm -hmm. tea cozy. uh, I I looked up tea cozy on both eBay and Etsy, Mm -hmm. and I could not find a tea cozy that was worth more than was valued at more than $250 in cur- you know current, it's worth a thousand current dollars. Yeah. Well, hers was worth a thousand. 
It's um, it's because it screams for 25 minutes. <laughs> that is pretty awesome. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Hang on. Wait a second. What was the Canadian dollar worth in the 80s? Oh, I didn't even think of that. I'm sure there's right? a footnote somewhere in the book to tell you that so because that you'll believe the story. In the 2000s, it was like half. Right. So it's one and a half. So I valued this tea cozy in current dollars at $3,400, but uh, it would actually be about 40 300, I guess, with the doubling there. So yeah, this is a fabulously expensive tea cozy. There isn't even in the world of macrame, there is nothing on Etsy or eBay that comes close to that, you know, full on like macrame house or something like that. So fiber sculptures. Remember when I gave you both knitted hats for Christmas? Yes. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. I want you to a thousand dollars fiber sculpture headwear. (laughs) (laughs) It's well worth it. But you, I, (laughs) You brought up another one of my favorite moments is when Dr. Pazder comes back and the other doctor's like, boy, are we glad to see you. (laughs) Yeah, they just gloss over that. (laughs) Please, please make her stop talking. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, Jamin, did did the book make you uh, question how you live your life? Or what was the question? Uh, Was it affected the way you go on about your life? I well, no, because I would have been wary of this book before and say, yep, this is something which sounds dark and I don't want to read it. And I'm still wary. It's like, I don't think this has made me more sensitive to things I don't like. Mm -hmm. It did open my eyes. It did bring up a lot of new perspectives of Victoria, Canada, for example. But did it change me? No. Still same old scrappy old podcaster that I <laughs> that I was last week. Scrappy J is your new nickname. So I have I have taken up recreational twirling. <laughs> That's true. He does it in the middle. You've taken up pointy <laughs> you've being a pointy thing and being a clock, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No thing to come back to pointing and twirling. What the uh, yes, we need to we need to unpack the pointing and the twirling and the clocking. Is now the time? Yes. So explain to me the pointy thing, the twirly thing, and why she enjoys, why why she believes she's a clock and why she thinks clocks are smart and I don't, why she enjoys being a clock. The twir- okay. twirling. Look at her hair. <laughs> what do you do with your fingers? Oh, but you, she curly hair. But she looks like she's punctual. But, you know, as they say, like they spend an entire long paragraph on Dr. Pazder not being punctual. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With another double black backflip negative in there, too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, but please, please continue with the pointy. Let's let's right, did you pointing, want to start with the twirling or the pointy thing or the clock. Um, Where's my pointing thing notes? Um, so what does this even look like when you guys read this? What did you visualize that being like? Because they, they like raised her. She even. Like she describes like Malachi, like pulling her or like making her straight and like. The strange man had little girl stretched rigidly like a needle. He held one hand at her neck and the other to her groin as he pointed her again and again, west, south, east. Then he began to flip her head over heels in front of himself, catching her rudely by the arms as she completed each somersault. Basically, I think it looks like a sign spinner. I was going to say with us with a five year old girl, um, and they are like you know forty pounds these five year old girls. So that's, that's, that's true. some that's some upper muscle strength there. 
Um, it, it comes uh-huh. up over and over again, this ritual of pointing. And uh, it's it's very strange. I, I feel like I know a fair bit about ritual craft and pagan rituals and things like that. And they would turn her body in one direction, then pause and lift her above their heads as if an offering, then lower again, and the next two would take her. They, in turn, would point her to a new direction, slowly lift and lower, then relinquish her to the next pair. It seemed endless to Michelle. She especially hated the lifting part, which made her seem somehow vulnerable and in danger. I don't know. Like, this is a major recurring hallucination for Michelle, is this idea that she's being lifted, rotated, pointed, rotated, pointed. And that kind of goes along with the clock mentality, um, but I don't remember the clock scene. I don't feel oh, like what if yes <clears throat> I just had this thought like I I didn't have this I didn't think this think this thunk while reading this book what if it was just a satanic party and they were playing spin the bottle but nobody kisses maybe because she never landed on the goat's butt well um, okay fair yeah that's why that's why they kept spinning her I think the clock thing is that she well, I don't quite understand her importance to all this. No. Because uh, they do seem to, at least in her telling of this, seem to be looking to her for certain things to happen. Like, she's the one who started the whole wailing on lump thing. Yeah. She, when she started twirling, they all took notice, right? And sort right. of seemed happy with it. Yeah. And then... Yeah, the okay. twirling was just like a way to escape by just spinning around in circles. Mm-hmm. And then there was the whole clock thing where they seem to be using her to like the whole new year's eve thing where she's like oh you know new clocks are very important on new year's eve and so i am being the clock right now and actually uh, she says like i i spent a lot i was spending a lot of time being a clock that night and then later she's talking about like she kind of uses the clock as her fantasy of like i like being a clock clocks are smart you know everybody pays attention to them so Hmm. she seemed to have a lot of imports and somebody also like there's this kind of weird like um ramona the pest aspect to it <laughs> where she just kind of keeps screwing everything up well that's the plot know? she's got plot armor like harry potter level plot armor right and yeah. uh, one of the one of the everybody who debunks this says it's awfully strange how a five-year-old is able to outsmart outthink and outwrestle a f- cult a right. large, a large yeah, yeah, yeah. world like dominating people cult. or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, why can't a cult take away a little cross the girl is holding? It's right, a little absurd. Right. I mean, I feel like debunking this is kind of like a little futile because it's so debunkable. Right. But the, the plot mm-hmm. armor that she keeps having, because she has to survive, because again, the rhetorical lens, this is a girl telling her own story as if she was a five-year-old, adding this element of play to the character. Um, because she's projecting herself as a child, as a caricature of a child. Yeah, maybe we can come back to some of that and some of the questions too. So we covered twirling, we covered pointing, we we covered clocking. Okay, yeah, clocking. Okay. That's that's a big that's a big thing in the nineties. I understand <laughs> clocking. <laughs> okay. Next question. Okay, editorial insertion time. I wish I'd had some time to listen to this epic five-hour series on Michelle Remembers from the You're Wrong About podcast. It would have changed the tone of our conversation, at least somewhat. Your faithful hosts are pretty down on Michelle today, but there's a side of Dr. Pastor that we missed, that he's heavily invested in repressed memory therapy and what that does to the doctor-patient dialogue. In essence, Pazder is looking for a magic secret that will cure Michelle, and it's buried, he assumes, very, very deep. 
and to, quote, cure, unquote, Michelle. And cure is a really funny word in therapy. He has to help Michelle uncover that secret. And until she uncovers that secret, she isn't cured. So as long as she's not cured, that secret is going to be deeper and obviously in a more traumatic place. And there's this nasty cycle here that ultimately Michelle may opt out of in something like a redemption arc. That's all there is. Their memory is done. And at the same time, the fact that she hasn't unlocked that ultimate dark memory is a shortcoming for Pazder, who in a sense has to invade Michelle's subconscious with years on years of probing. Because if he doesn't, he's failed, but also he needs to show results for all this time he's spent, time that probably cost his marriage and maybe some job prospects or goodwill in the church. He has to prove that he's accomplished something great, both as a therapist and as a warrior in the battle against Satan. And he commoditizes Michelle as something like a victory trophy. Anyway, that's a long aside and some conversation that I wish we could have had together on the podcast, but I think it needed to be said as another side of the story. Google for You're Wrong About Michelle Remembers, set six hours aside and get a much deeper dive here than we had time for it. It's worth it. Did you like the heat level of the book? Oh. And heat is in quotes. Right. Air yeah. quotes. Did you, everyone know air quote? Did you like the heat level of well, the book? Several levels of heat here. Yeah. I feel really? like we, we, we're having trouble determining whether this was a nonfiction, fiction, memoir, self-help, mystery, or romance title. So we just went with our with all of the questions Oprah had to say. Mm-hmm. Did she wear a bodice in any of Jamin, the she scenes? Was, she was five, you dirty old man. No. <laughs> oh, but when she's Damn in the, when she's in the statue. Uh, being spooned by our yeah, good yeah, doctor. Yeah. Oh, maybe, is this a maybe. bodice ripper or is this just a bodice spooner? <laughs> I think it's I think she wore a bodice of macrame. <laughs> and as we all know, macrame is very hard to rip. <laughs> yes, I've tried. <laughs> There's a couple of places where she says, I'm ugly. Do you hate me? That I yeah. feel like could be like in a kind of crazy romance, mm-hmm. like an un- deeply unhealthy romance. What is it? An um, amor foe? The or mo or more yeah, 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 crazy yeah. love. Mm-hmm. The but was that line added? Did she say the line, or did the editor add that line afterwards? Hmm. Like to justify their budding romance, to validate his affection. That's the therapy line. I think that maybe to devalidate or to kind of, you know, kind of make 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 her seem more innocent. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And so the answer. Uh, the answer I have is, did I like the heat level? No. Mm-hmm. This is this is Northwest. Um, I, I, this is Northwest. What region is this? This is Northwest Continental. I keep wanting to say like U.S. It's not the U.S. It's Canada, but it's the Northwestern culture, right? Not known for their spicy dishes. <laughs> like this is. I'm not saying their cuisine is bland, but they don't have jalapenos up there. But they have ashes. Like she, you know, you can oh. eat as many, all you can eat ash bar. Did she, but were the ashes cold when she ate them or were they still oh. hot? Good question. And, but it we just, have... and it just felt, and it just felt like it feels standing by a window with the sunshine <laughs> coming in. It doesn't make any sense, but you see the blood was warm. The blood was warm <laughs> and it, it felt good. <gasps> Again, the Pacific Northwest like, uh-huh. does she even know what sunshine is? Come on, it rained nonstop. <laughs> That's right. Maybe she just needed some light therapy, you know? Yeah, heat, heat. Hmm. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that isn't said, which some might find hot. Oh, every moment uh, on the couch. Yes, 
And I mean, they're not super explicit about like sexual abuse, but I'm assuming it happened, which is not hot. No, um, there is but, like the long tongue witch putting tongue down girls. Yeah. Mouth like there's there's some implied sexual stuff. But I think that Michelle didn't want Michelle wanted to maintain Michelle's innocence mm. and maybe yeah. didn't go there as much as she could have. But there's I mean, like the whole innocence thing like this. <laughs> has she ever met a five year old? Because and, and, you know, at times like she's describing an orgy as men with swords stabbing people. And firemen. I did as not get ducks. that reference. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Did I just wow? I think you just kind of glazed over. And then I do have then, I have notes on the ducks. Okay, I'm gonna have to quote the ducks thing now because okay, like, ducks, please co- quote the ducks thing. Just, just because it was so very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember lying on the ground. It was black and wet and hard, and there were black boots. There were ducks with black boots. I think they were firemen. I thought they were ducks because they had the yellow coats on. All I could see were black boots. I wanted to be ducks. I kept pretending I wasn't there. <laughs> so I feel like that's a fetish in the making right there. As a follow up to your question, has Michelle ever met a five year old? I would like to ask, has Michelle ever seen a duck? <laughs> <laughs> or they, firemen? They look like firemen. Yeah, black coats. I Don't guess firemen have red coats. No, they have like those gray fire retardant coats with like, and I don't know, like now you have reflectors on them and whatnot, mm. but I don't know what, I don't know what Canadian, <laughs> maybe they do like, head, are like head to toe duck, this, but more duck than man. Did they have reflection in the 80s? <laughs> no, no, not until like the mid 80s where the whole neon craze came into oh. play. Yeah. But, uh. Yes. So she misunderstands these things, but then she can name specific, uh, because I guess she's a fiber artist, her five-year-old, her five-year-old self understands smocking and understands what <laughs> flannelette is and then understands what a heart attack is. Flannelette. I remember the flannelette now. Warm flannelette. What does a heart attack have to do with fiber arts? Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I just, uh, yeah, that ad- I added that on, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Victoria? Yes. Did this book make you believe in love again? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, I kind of, yeah, I think, I think maybe it did. Like maybe, maybe someday I too um, could, uh, you know, fall in the, a weird like Stockholm syndrome situation with a pervy psychiatrist and um, we could make, hundreds of thousands of dollars af- uh, off of a um, extended lie. And I'm I'm glad that I can go down a deep well of satanic ritual and just drag my husband along with me. <laughs> okay, so Victoria, mm-hmm. just let's let's establish some baseline friendship here. If we as your if we as your <laughs> I don't like the way he's laughing. Let me finish before you mock me. <laughs> if we, your friends, see you get into a parasocial, unhealthy relationship with a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. should we let you be or should we intervene? I think you should do what Mary, Jesus, and Michael did and come tell me it's all my responsibility. Like, it's it's on me to get out of it and then peace out because you have a pizza in the oven. So just <laughs> like Mary, Jesus, and Michael, we should wait until the very end of the relationship to intervene, not at the mm-hmm. beginning. Right. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fair. That's yep, fair. Yep, yep. When I'm totally broken. <laughs> By the way, I buried a bone. <laughs> are you done? I'm done. Are you are you done, Jacob? I'm done with that question. <laughs> All right. He's not done. Should I should I ask Next question? question. Go ahead, Victoria. Okay. Um so what twist surprised you the most? The sudden appearance of actual Satan. Okay. Okay. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So Did- con- yeah. Um context the ritual so meta context over like several months um they've been Panzer and Michelle have been feeding each other lines in this like self this downward spiral of like weird Catholic and African spirituality ideas infesting the idea of somebody imagining her own torture and like building up over uh, years of this discussion. So um, for a long time, Michelle is like trapped in a statue, uh, which probably really realistically should have killed her um, just being trapped in a statue for months on end. And when she's released, she goes on in some way that I haven't quite figured to a big satanic temple underground, which can hold 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 hundreds of people. So it's pretty, pretty big. And then Satan appears and starts loudly declaiming in rhyme. It's just stupid things. Uh, Let me. (laughs) Yeah, that was the lyrical moment. I skipped it. I need to get dumb. The beast was watching with glee. Oh, it's the beast. It's the feast of the beast ritual. The feast of which again. Okay, so I'm going to go back and amend my question about what. How has it changed my life? This is now the food truck that we need to feast of the beast. (laughs) Yeah, no, the feast of the beast. Totally, I am with you there. Um, We're partners. I want want the Thiestian pie. Um, (laughs) I'm going to do my Satan voice the best I can. Okay, let's hear it. Three times seven, seven times three. Now the year belongs to me. Four times seven, seven times four. Turn around and you are no more. Four times seven makes 28. That's when the world will learn to hate. My fire will have burned for all these years. My fire will have burned out. <laughs> my fire will have burned out many ears. But I'll be back. You wait and see. I'll be back to take the world for me. Everything that's gone must return. I was thrown out, but I can burn. It's he's the Grinch. I mean, it really is. I just can't like I just can't I can't with Satan and his terrible rhymes. And I love that they kind of explained it away like, oh, you know, his yeah. his his words will seem really, really simple and kind of dumb. Yeah, the writer they're... Hannah Andre coined a phrase <laughs> in another context, the banality of evil, page two thirty nine. It's like, I don't think that's what she meant. Um, On the surface, perhaps the words sound foolish, but underneath there's a lot there. Double and triple meanings. <laughs> That's Actually, right, it's, so. it's four times seven. <laughs> Actually, you know, your seventh times table at the age of five, that that's pretty impressive. Well, and also Satan's don't Satanists don't add. They add by timing, by multiplying somehow. I'm a little lost on Satan math and Satan years. I didn't understand the calendars, the math, the I didn't understand. Any again, of she it. was five. Like, again, four times seven. Pretty good for a five year old. Oh, it's super good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we do learn from Father Guy that traditionally in church history, Satan usually speaks in rhymes, which <laughs> which startled me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you take like 
Well, no, no, (laughs) no, you think uh -uh. not? (laughs) No, he does not. I feel like, yeah, that is just there's two. There's like a really random numerology scene when there's a lot of numerology scenes when Pazder starts really like infecting her with his like strange Catholic overlays. Like Mm -hmm. he talks about Zouds, your story is lining up perfectly with today's dates and the Catholic um the like book of lesser feasts from five years ago. And all of this is lining up perfectly with the satanic plan, assuming that Satanists have a 13 month year. Right. And then there was a whole thing about how like, Oh, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be like the, like there was a thing about in 27 and 28 and it's like, well, it should be 27 days, but because of this other thing, it's now 28. And I'm like, well, that's convenient. Yeah. That works out <laughs> as well. long as you're making Satan stuff up. is the most convenient. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> that convenience. Whole, the whole mass, like the whole like, okay, his nose is where he talks about what he knows. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 follows. The nose <laughs> flows. Like, it's like Satan's TED talk, like really corny <laughs> TED talk. All in rhymes. Uh huh. Here's where we're going, like with with our <laughs> page, our company. Sorry, page one hundred seven. Quote: Her mother did not come back. Day after day, it was the same. She was alone with the nurse during the day, and at night, one of the others would come, kill a white kitten, use Michelle as a pointy thing, and throw her to the ground. <laughs> oh hum. Here I am on the ground again. <laughs> after much discussion, it became clear to Doctor Pastor and Michelle that live babies were not used in these ceremonies. They're most likely premature fetuses, fetuses or stillborn babies, possibly stolen from hospitals. <laughs> I yeah, that was that was really. Uh... If only we had convenient access to a hospital. <laughs> well, anybody clearly anybody can walk into a hospital and do whatever the hell they want. So, babies, sure, take them. You know, got a baby, leave a baby, need it's a baby, not, take a baby. It's not like to count them at the end of the day and then count them again in the morning. It's like, hey, <laughs> right. it's not like it's we cash have register. six this morning? <laughs> Somebody's made a baby out of rags. And they're like, oh, okay, evens out. Did, did, did you find the section where the nurse sewed horns and a tail into Michelle? <laughs> To strain your belief in the validity of the text at all? I feel like some of these were just pranks. You know, like <laughs> whole, trying to get her to poop on the Bible and the cross on the crucifix. And then the whole like sewing horns and tails on her is just like, yeah, it's just, you know, what's the. It's just fiber yeah. arts, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it Crank Yankers or what's the prank show? The terrible prank show. Anywho, I think there was just a lot of pranking going on. Oh, but I, I one of the things that I, uh, a twist that surprised me, well, there was a whole training montage of, Train, you know, like, I'm going to, tr- I'm going to teach you. And then the music starts and she's like learning all these satanic things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Right. Um, and then, oh, I'll save this other one because it fits. And one of my favorite lines. I think this is, in fact, my favorite line in the whole book. I know we're coming to that, but this is also my surprise, my twist. The lump had shoes, red <laughs> shoes. That was a good one. Gasp. So the lump, um, this oh. is a little like, uh, this is tossed back to our episode with babies and crute, I think. Um, mm-hmm. as one of the standard, oh. Sorry, Jaman, you know, the babies, the baby eating was coming eventually. So this is a very strange scene where... This is early on in the book, actually, where Michelle is asked to is shown the lump. And I think it's maybe like 
subtext. This is like a child being hidden under her mother's dress. And I think I'm a little. Oh, no, it's that woman. Oh, it's because the lump had red shoes. Well, I thought the woman was. uh, Yeah, I'm a little confused on a lot of this. But uh, anyway, she beats the lump with a stick. And then later on, the lump, it turns out, is a a a woman. Yes. Yes. Not a child. Not a child. Who is beaten to death by by Michelle. A stick. No, she's oh, well. Michelle starts the process. And oh, and everybody, everybody it's like joins in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, okay, it's okay. a <laughs> it's a pinata. And here's another one of those like hinting at some kind of sexual activity is what I took that as. I, so here's <laughs> my confusion. Silent. No, here's my confusion. I mean, I mean, I'm interrupting you. Oh no, just I mean, maybe I'm just misreading, but. She's, Some, something she's, under the one under her mom's skirt that has yeah. red shoes. Right. That's that's what I was confused by is the lump was under his mom, her mom's skirt and had red. I thought it was like a, a baby thing, like a symbolic death and rebirth and death sort of thing. Well, they could have been birthing the woman, but other things could have been happening. OK. Hmm. 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 I could see that as a twist. I didn't see. Yeah. The lump had red shoes. Yeah. Because later, later Malachi's dressing lump to put her in the car. Oh right, right, right. The, the mm-hmm. and then fake the accident, which was never recorded. Or exactly, there's yeah. no. no we didn't make it accident. in the news. Mm-hmm. This is Go like that, reports. Yeah. It's kind of like the scene at the end of the Kingdom, where a woman gives birth to Lars von Trier. So maybe, I mean, they did have a rebirthing ceremony. So let's say it's a rebirthing ceremony. I think okay. my mind just went to, because of the sword fight, went to another place. Right. No, legit. I understand. No, I don't. I understand nothing at this point. <laughs> um. So we've lost Jamin. I don't know if he'll ever come back. <laughs> He's on his own journey now. Spiders? Oh, spiders. Yeah. Yeah. It was into, I mean, Michelle specifically has a phobia of spiders. So Uh she begins by dreaming about spiders. Now, did she have spider phobia before age five, Michelle, or was this, this supposed to have been the thing that instilled a phobia of spiders into Michelle? I just had a thought. Oh, so if five-year-old Michelle, four to five-year-old Michelle had a phobia of spiders, and the first, the return of Michelle to Dr. Panzer, what, what his name? Pazner, 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 Harold, like the thing that heralded her return to him was the dream about the spiders coming out of her hand. So maybe that was like symbolic of all of this stuff coming up now. Oh, I think it was. That's why it happened okay. early in the arc to kind of emphasize this is the okay. floodgates opening. I didn't put that together until just now. Yeah. The fun uh, fact, if two people go to the Catholic Church to ask for divorces, the Catholic Church will say no. Really? So if you well, go not, like hand in hand to say, we want to divorce our partners so we can get together, they say nope. In this particular case, they certainly said no. <gasps> I didn't know that. That's true. Wow. Oh, that's um, super interesting. How about um, the mayor de mayor de mayor de mayor person? Wait, say that what? again. The, 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 when she starts speaking in tongues. About oh, right, right, right. Uh-huh. You, you were clarifying earlier. That's like a, a Mary avatar of some sort. Yeah, Mother, Mother Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was a little surprised by this. And, you know, I 
I have never, while reading this book, assumed that something was flat out a lie. <laughs> no, I haven't. I really haven't. I well, like assume... she believes it. I mean, that's what they keep coming yeah. back to is like, it's, like she believes it, right? It's, it's either did it's, she so... believe it or did he tell her to believe it? I think so, a little from column A, a little the, from column the B. Truth can't be sacrificed for an important story. I, I will also accept that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they got to the point where she was speaking in tongues, <laughs> I, I was kind of like, well, this is hard to reconcile. You know, I know Satan appears later on. I'm not going to worry about that. But speaking in tongues is something. But then, then someone, probably uh, Kulain again, points out, well, so yeah, she's speaking in French. France, it's French is, is Canada's second language. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's not really that magical. And she does say that she bombed language a few times, but presumably mm-hmm. she bombed French. So it would be like, yeah. Uh, so a little less convincing at that point. Okay. My take on <clears throat> my take on that is like glossolalia is kind of a reform thing. Like it's the Pentecostal, the well, Protestant speak, speaking in tongues, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, speaking in tongues. Did did the Catholic Church have speaking in tongues? I don't Or was it something that was separate from I don't believe so, but the idea of miraculous language is a thing, and that goes back to um, Acts in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So speaking speaking a language you were not familiar with is 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 legit uh, as a mm. miracle. Uh, babbling is uh, more, I think, more more American well, Pentecostal. I mm-hmm. I don't have the knowledge. Like if somebody had said, you know, pastor is a Pentecostal psychiatrist, and you grew up, I could see this being as a miracle he would reference. But I don't feel like a Catholic would say, oh, this is a, a it's, thing. It's not babbling. She's not speaking in tongues. She's miraculously acquiring a language she didn't have. And that mm-hmm. is a, a that's a that's a that's a miracle. That's definitely that's, Catholic. Yeah, that's okay. In that, OK, yeah, 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 yeah. Like people that's, speak possess people speaking Aramaic. And, yeah. But miraculously, yeah. miraculously acquiring a language that you failed in high school is not that impressive to my mind. <laughs> That's right. Like, I'll just keep repeating, like, where do you, you know, where's the library in where's German over and over again? Yeah. <laughs> Vol- <Vos> de Bibliothèque. <laughs> but yeah, there's all these things like, oh, my God, she's speaking. She's speaking a, le- a language that she probably learned in preschool. Yeah. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> Their version of Sesame Street, likely. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, they had to. Oh, we had this conversation. We had this conversation that. Michelle grew up before Sesame Street. Yes. Right? Yeah. I forget why we had this conversation. I don't remember, yeah. but it wasn't. But it was incredible. Right. Oh, it was. Then, it was very yeah. <gasps> And then we were looking at the occult conspiracy behind Captain Kangaroo. Yes. Right. And how yes. he appeared in Howdy Doody. Oh, yes. And Captain Howdy is a demon. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. So if you just put all those things together, yeah, the actor played Captain Kangaroo is uh, Claire Bell the Clown on Howdy Doody. It's like, I forgot his name, Bob Keeshan. Yeah, Bob Keeshan. He's, he's uh-huh. a, a wonderful person. He is. You see, my inside me could shut off everything, but there was still my body and it had its own life outside of me inside. 
It is my outside that really knows. It's my eyes that saw, my mouth that felt, spoke, and took in. My arms, they have memories too. Before I can let my inside me remember, my body's memories have to come out. The reasons the connections don't seem always to fit together is because my arms don't have the experience my mouth had, and my eyes don't feel what my stomach felt. I felt like I was fractured to so many pieces, but it was the different parts of me remembering. I had to fracture that way. You see, me could not look at it all at once. So disassociation, compartmentalizing. Definitely that. Uh, And I have to say, I will give one shout out to the fact that this book does recognize that PTSD affects one's physical body. It manifests in various ways with rashes and pain and and, and, chronic illness. Has there done a lot of work with with trauma? I mean, he was that was one of his things. Mm -hmm. One of the big things. I'm not. I'm I'm not surprised by it. And again, I still think both these people are are possibly delusionally acting acting in what they perceive to be the better, the greater good, even if that means sacrificing the truth a little bit. Mm-hmm. Leading well, the truth yeah. with the stick. Yeah. <laughs> the truth was wearing red shoes. <laughs> the red shoes. <laughs> Is it time for another question? Yeah. How many questions <laughs> do we have left? Did this book spook you or get under your skin in any way? It, 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 it irritated me. Yeah, a lot. Like a rash, like a what was it? A, <laughs> it, um, it contact dermatitis. The, the, honestly, the, the 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 like weird sexual undertones with the Pazder Michelle relationship really creeped me out a lot. Like I kept having like moments of revulsion over this. Oh, was, you know, yeah, just, yeah, just messed me up. The one that like really freaked me out, or just kind of like, oh, this is this is problematic, is when they were going on and on about how hard it was to find an exorcism book in Canada. And then they finally found one and the priest was reading some of it out. And like Dr. Dr. Pastor w- like responded in a husky voice. Like, well, that was something. That was weird. That was a little weird. <laughs> like, oh my God. But, but, They've got like a devil, devil kink. But kind of tied to that while knowing that they are, you know, being in, in this is probably liable for you to say this, but while they're, we're knowing they're going to an adulterous relationship at some point in time here because mm-hmm. they divorced, because they're remarried, all of the scenes where Michelle is like really sinking her hooks in the pastor, they very much bother me because it's this like helpless, desperate, loud, manipulative thing happening all at once. And it really just, it, it, it may be very twitchy. And again, I keep asking this. Was she manipulating him or was he manipulating her? And I think we have to watch the movie and listen to her recordings. I think we and, definitely have to watch the movie. And by we, I mean you. Count and then we'll out. tell you about it yeah. as you like scream for 25 minutes and hold your ears. Well, remember, there's like <laughs> there's like seven years of therapy and most of that is just delighted. So we don't know like yeah. how deep their relationship was because the walls started melting at some point in time. Yeah. Uh, so the two things that's, well, there's several things that spooked me, but like a legit thing that spooked me like in a horror way was the car wreck. That mm. to me was horrifying because, yeah, she's like forced into being in a car wreck with a dead body. And she's like inches away from this this body whose head turns around, which keeps coming up when she's watching, when she's uh, among, amongst the um, Satanists. It's kind of hereditary. Isn't it? <laughs> it is hereditary. <laughs> and it's also very Dante, like in the Inferno, because she talks about them walking one way and their heads are facing another when they're walking mm. in the circles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, so that why did, just, oh, go ahead. Why did she have to be in the car when it wrecked? So that she would get blamed for it. Oh, I think they were also maybe trying to kill her, but well, but they needed her. I think she was they, so she would be because he had, they the had a lot of other kids. Yeah, <laughs> but they, he had to have Malachi had to have the story about her covering his eyes and that caused the wreck. Oh, right. Okay. So, and they may have needed to get her into the hospital somehow, too. Oh, so I I thought it was about disposing of the body. It wasn't about disposing of the body. It was about getting her where she needed to be in the I'm ritual. I'm not sure. I know di- disposing of the body was probably job one. And then two, I think Michelle somehow had to be, I think uh, they were trying to wear her down too, like to make her doubt her goodness. Hmm. And so like making her to blame for this horrible car wreck and the death of this person then mm. that's another way to kind of strip her down of her um, oh, yeah. identity like brainwashing sort of process yeah. uh-huh. so i think that was part of it but so that really and then the other thing that freaked me out this is psychologically is her going into play mode like i totally understand this sort of disassociation uh, but the whole puppy thing i'm a kitty i'm a puppy was with the, oh sorry sorry to cast but the whole puppy thing really really disturbed me but that that just kind of drew me to the layers thing is because this is a adult woman pretending to be a child and mm-hmm. this is one moment over like seven you know years and years of recordings and and stuff like that yeah mm-hmm. the lensing of the book is to say how innocent she is and how that innocence is going to be violated at any point in time and these right. are just moments to show oh she's still an innocent child yeah yeah but it's really really disturbing because there are those moments where it's just like Okay. Yeah. Like she has to tell, like she has to kind of go into fantasy to sort of escape the reality of this, but it's just, it's totally off, let's say. (laughs) Yeah. You know? (laughs) So I don't know. Another Oprah question. Uh, Mm -hmm. Did your opinion of this book change as you read it? I will say that initially... I started reading and I was like, oh, this is going to be a fast read because it's kind of fun because it's just so weird and oh. entertaining. And then, like, I swear, like, part two, yeah. I, kinda, I just kind of skipped. <laughs> like, there was stuff I was going to call, caught my attention. But, like, just like Jamie was saying, I stopped listening to Satan. I, like, completely lost the plot about what the Satanists were doing in the circles and blah, blah, yeah. blah. So I just got kind of bored. It's probably worse if you're getting a PDF version because with the book, at least you can see how thick it is and say, oh, heck. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's that was, whatever. Uh-huh. Okay. I hadn't realized I had this opinion. I did not realize this was this long of a read. Yeah. I thought mm-hmm. this was going to be kind of a short, quick read. Yeah. This is a hefty book. It is. And and tedious. Very tedious. And very tedious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hard to follow because of all the voice shifts and. Yeah. The um, chronology is really just messy. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, tonal shifts back and forth thing. I I think my biggest flip flop on this is I really I went into it thinking this is a you know a money and attention grab and I don't I really don't think that anymore. Really? I I, yeah, I said it a few times. I think they were sincere or at least had the idea of a good thing, like doing good work. Yeah, I, I don't think they're honest. I think that I think the really culpable people are the people that just took this at face value mm-hmm. because they wanted to believe so hard. I don't, I don't, I really don't think that either one of them is necessarily bad. I think they're just deluded. I think we should put a pin in this because I think we do have to talk about like 
Did future. they do good work? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's oh. a big open question. So there's a there, there's a analogy where it's like your eyes are very sensitive, right? Mm-hmm. So people that take a piece of pottery or a, a fibercraft cozy, right, and they look at it closely to observe mm-hmm. all the finer details, right? Whereas, like, you can say, oh, this is a beautiful vase, but then when you get really close, you can see the lines of the, of the crackling and the glazing and the iridescence and the sheen and the patterns of the, the throw marks, right? A dog's nose is a million times more sensitive than mine. Mm-hmm. Mine too. And so, therefore, when a dog walks upon a pile of shit and he just sticks his nose right in it to sniff it, mm-hmm. that's what's happening. He's, like, getting all these amazing smells and subtleties then right? then he then he eats it then he eats it right <laughs> but when i came across this book i kind of had this preconception it would be a terrible book that i didn't like mm-hmm. and it's true <laughs> excuse me <laughs> and it's true but there's so much depth there's so many new and different things that that horrify me and terrify me and like i just i can't stand but i didn't know how many individual complex ways i wouldn't like this book does that make sense there's a lot yes. there's a lot of yeah. ideas they play with yeah there's yes. so much and all of them are terrible yep 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 and i mean you know because of a lot of those things they've been sued by a lot of people yeah <laughs> including anton Levey. Um, <laughs> oh yeah anton the Levey sued them because they blame it all on the church of satan which didn't exist yeah, there's it was a good, founded in 1966, and yet they say the Church of Satan predates Christianity, which seems highly, <laughs> highly suspect. No, 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 no. So yeah, so he sued them for libel. It happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, so going back to the romance, so who would you fall for? And I'm oh. going to extend it beyond the two, uh, the two main characters, because oh. it's all the lead. So uh, who would you fall for in this book? I would have probably gone for satan but i have my sisters in poetry and he's he's horrible yeah and i mean the drawings that she did of him uh, again you know Pretty they're they're, right. on, yeah. they're on par with the pope like monster yes <clears throat> mm-hmm. let Jamin. me let me phrase this as two scenarios okay uh-huh, uh-huh. instead of the two characters wiggles mcgee and and Pander. Pander. Uh, Pander. Oh, good. Good. Very good. Would I rather be would I rather be Mm -hmm. an educated professional and have a naive, innocent person walk in and rely on me for their care? It does does feed something. Right. Right. Or would I rather be a troubled young person relinquishing myself to the care of an experienced elder? Hmm. And that's a better I had story. Not thought about that. Which would I ra- which would I personally rather be? What mm-hmm. what story would I want? I just say like Pander is my type physically. Lithe. Oh, lithe, interesting. Lithe, kind of dignified. With know. a brown belt. Brown belt. And <laughs> brown belt yeah. So like you don't have to worry about him really kicking your ass or anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brown yeah. belt, could, I couldn't do it. Yeah. So I'm kidding. I know a lot of black belts though. So I think if, it, if we're thinking about romance novel and problematic aspects of romance novels, it would be Malachi because, you know, bad boys in the real like also if this is like a Hallmark movie, it would be the hot priest that doesn't wear his vestments. Was he hot? 
I'm guessing I'm assuming the the way they spent so much time on like he has a beard, he wears a turtleneck, like he's kind of the cool guy, you know. He probably plays guitar, you know. Um, does a lot of crafts. Maybe he does <laughs> some fiber arts. I don't know. Um, I think you know if you're going for like you know bodice macrame bodice ripper, you go for Malachi. If you're going for Hallmark movie, you go for Hot Priest. Uh, or hippie priest. Let's call him hippie priest. Turtleneck priest. Turtleneck priest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beatnik priest. This beatnik is the time priest. of the beatnik priest. Uh-huh. I, I have I to bet- say, he's not my type. I just want to say that right now. He looks <laughs> horrifyingly mundane. Are you? What if beatnik priest had like some some rimless blue sunglasses? Are those native to the time period? Yeah, totally. When was when was Paul McCartney? Later. Then. Oh, no, 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 no. You're right. I'm thinking about the 50s. Yeah, 70s. Yeah. So it's about like it's yeah. like post Beatles. Yeah. Because the Beatles had already broken up by then. I'm getting a little confused by the narrative thread here. <laughs> <laughs> Hot priest or Hot hippie priest. priest. Yeah. Who would be a beatnik priest? Because that's that would be the 50s. Sorry. Yeah. Hot, right. but we'll go back to hippie mm. priest. So this is a good question to close on. Are there any lingering questions from the book you're still thinking about? <laughs> what the actual i've already cussed multiple th- times all, all, all the ones where they make weird assertions about satanist numerology yes and and in particular the statement well satan always rhymes like i i all of those like please cite your sources i want to read them mm-hmm. <laughs> please cite your sources michelle come on you know that's a that's a valid point how come P- Pastor didn't do external research on Satanism? Like, if he'd done more reading, he could have given her more things to say. <laughs> good point. Very good point. <clears throat> yeah, totally. Yeah. Wow. Um, I hadn't even realized that. This dude, he could have read. He, he could have written a sequel. But there wasn't Reddit at the time, so that probably would have held him back somewhat. Mm. So what do you think? I, I've already got this in my head, but I want to see if y'all will get it. What do you think he would call the sequel? given what we've talked about. Michelle forgets. Yes! <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I mean, that's the only name the sequel could be. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. You want to take this into the more of the 21st century? So, Jacob, to your point about them thinking that they did good or they were trying to do good, did they do good? Well, objectively, no. <laughs> okay. Objectively, no, because... Um, like the, uh, so we've talked about the McMartin preschool trial, which is this amazing showboat trial that was one of the most expensive trials California had ever faced. And I think that's the one that had like elephant sacrifices and people actually riding it on broomsticks where a bunch of children were brought to testify. I think where test- testimony was extracted from children by, well, the only people that were available at the time that were interested in satanic ritual abuse, the people that had invented the term satanic ritual abuse, the pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so these kids that might have been, might have actually been abused. I don't know. Um, but they spun this elaborate magical satanic yarn that tied up the California court system and cost like something in the million dollar range. Wikipedia says it was one of the most expensive trials in America's history, and it went for seven years with no convictions. About as long yeah. as the therapy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they were brought on to um, to help examine these children to see if they had repressed memories. 
a, a theory which kind of they had promulgated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you have so many innocent people going to prison for things that they just did not do, like the West Memphis Three. There was another, there were several daycare trials where people yeah. went to prison and only recently or fairly within the past, like. Didn't we just talk about like the, the Austin Oak Hill yeah. trials yeah, yeah. that mm-hmm. just ended? Mm-hmm. And, and then the, the women in San Antonio also. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that was really recent. So, yeah, unintended consequences or intended consequences of this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't ultimately think they did objective good. No. Um, and these ideas are still very firmly in the American conscience. Mm-hmm. QAnon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guy went and shot up the ping pong. What is it called? Something ping pong oh, pizza, pizza parlor. Yeah. Uh-huh, Looking Washington, for the basement. <sighs> just like the Alamo. It doesn't have a just, basement. I was just going to say the Alamo. Uh-huh. <laughs> look harder friend look harder i feel like unfortunately we have the we have the same joke sometimes damon oh, maybe that's fortunate but yeah so uh highly the uh, repercussions are pretty nasty yeah so i'd like to i'd like to close with a quote then rather than our usual ending um this is a dramatization of the uh end of the story really <clears throat> yes do you want to start victoria i don't have any more to say hmm? dr pastor was startled that is all there is michelle's voice was calm her tone final and that was all the remembering was finished This podcast is copyright 2023 by The Dispatchist and is Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources. <laughs>